in this week's market update. It's back to work after the summer break and investors are grappling with a long list of economic, political and market concerns. Labor Day in the US marks the end of summer and the return to work. It's naturally a time to reflect on where we're at after the holidays and investors certainly have more questions than answers as we head into the autumn. Last week's non-farm payrolls were a good example of the uncertain market outlook. 315,000 new jobs were created in the US. That was the 20th consecutive month in which the US jobs market had expanded and it was a bit better than forecast. It was, however, well down on the 526,000 new jobs in the prior month and it came alongside an unexpected rise in the unemployment rate from 3.5 to 3.7%. Well, the market focused on the glass half-empty economic story and, as it often does, took that as a glass half-full market narrative. In other words, a slightly worse economic situation than forecast was seen as evidence that the Federal Reserve may have to be slightly less hawkish in its rate-hiking programme. Rates may go slightly less far in the current tightening cycle and for slightly less time. It's all marginal stuff, but it's these changing expectations that are currently driving the market at the moment as investors struggle to get their heads around a challenging growth, inflation and monetary policy environment. This week we'll see further hints about the health of the US economy as the ISM non-manufacturing data is forecast to show a deceleration in economic growth as the Fed's rate hikes start to impact on activity. A reading of 54.8, the consensus, would be down from 56.7 in July, still in growth territory, but clearly indicating that the post-pandemic recovery is now living on borrowed time. Shares rose on Friday, but they still ended the week another 1.3% lower, a third consecutive week of declines after the June to August summer rally ran out of steam. The rally had been fuelled by hopes for a lower endpoint for interest rates and it ground to a halt as investors decided, after all, that rates would go higher for longer than they'd hoped. The decisions of the Fed are always important for the direction of markets, but at the moment they are all-consuming. The next Fed rate-setting meeting is scheduled for the 21st of September, a week after the Bank of England's next rate announcement on the 15th. And the Fed is not the only central bank in focus this week. On Wednesday, the ECB will unveil its latest adjustment to Eurozone interest rates. And the only debate is whether they will opt for a 0.5% or a 0.75% hike in rates. The ECB raised rates in July for the first time in a decade, and it's now playing catch-up with other rate setters as it grapples with a 1970s-style wage-price spiral against the backdrop of an energy crisis. It's that two-way pull of higher prices and stagnant growth that makes this week's rate decision such a close call. There are good arguments for front-loading rate hikes to get on top of inflation, which is running at around 9% in Europe, just like in the US and the UK. But equally, a case can be made for holding back as we head towards a winter that could see energy blackouts on the back of Russia's increasing weaponization of oil and gas exports. A temporary shutdown of the Nord Stream gas pipeline, unsurprisingly, became an open-ended blockade last week. 
The pressures on the European economy are starting to show up in the currency market, with the euro dropping to a new 20-year low in the wake of Russia's decision to close the major gas pipeline into Europe. At 98.8 US cents to the euro, the single currency has now fallen below parity with the dollar and stands at its lowest level since 2002. Now, if investors are becoming more cautious about European assets, they're even more circumspect about the UK, where the pound has fallen by more than 8% against the dollar in the past three months, worse than any major currency except the Swedish krona. Even the Japanese yen, standing at a 40-year low against the US currency, has fallen only 7% over the same period, as has the euro. The UK is seen as having the worst combination of inflation, slowing economic growth and political uncertainty, making it unappealing for investors to maintain an exposure to either sterling or UK government debt. Some of the issues facing the UK are global, but the unnecessarily long Conservative Party leadership contest over the summer against the backdrop of a severe cost of living crisis has also dented sentiment. That contest came to a close today with the widely forecast election of Liz Truss as leader of the party and therefore new Prime Minister of the UK. She enters Downing Street with a dauntingly long and complicated to-do list and has promised to present an initial plan to tackle the soaring cost of energy this week. It now looks increasingly likely that this plan will share at least some features of the Labour opposition's proposal to cap energy costs although there remains little clarity about how this will be funded, through general taxation or in the form of a loan to energy companies that will be recouped over many years. The lack of political clarity has led to a run on UK government debt, which has seen the yield on the 10-year gilt rise from 1.8% to 2.9% just since the start of August. The value of short or negative bets against interest rate sensitive two-year bonds has soared this year. Concerns about UK government debt include the fact that the UK has a much bigger exposure to inflation-linked bonds than other countries. The cost of servicing this debt has soared alongside rising prices. The one bright spot in the UK is the stock market because a high proportion of the revenues earned by companies in the FTSE 100 are denominated in dollars. So the fall in the pound to as low as $1.15 has flattered the profits of these companies. The UK is also more heavily exposed to value stocks in sectors like energy and mining, which generally do better than high growth stocks during periods of high inflation. So far in 2022, the UK market has significantly outperformed the US, which has a much bigger exposure to interest rate sensitive technology stocks. At just over 7,200, the FTSE 100 has basically moved sideways over the past year, while the S&P 500 has fallen by around 15% so far in 2022. Oil, a big weighting in UK-focused portfolios, is also in the spotlight this week, as recession fears have seen the oil price fall from recent highs. This week sees a meeting of OPEC oil producers with competing pressures on Saudi Arabia and other members of the cartel. Ahead of November's midterm elections, the US is encouraging the Middle Eastern suppliers to increase production to put further downward pressure on the cost of petrol. 
But last week's 11% fall in the oil price to around $94 a barrel has seen some OPEC members calling for supply cuts to keep prices up near $100. The recent sell-off has seen oil trading below the level at the time of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Elsewhere, China is in focus this week, with the full impact of the ongoing zero-Covid policy still being assessed. China's trade data, due to be announced this week, is likely to show a continuing surplus of $91 billion or so for August. But underneath the surface, investors will want to see the balance of exports and imports in that figure. Exports have been a surprising bright spot despite ongoing lockdowns, which have impacted China's big ports in places like Shanghai and in the south near Shenzhen. But it's flagging imports which are pointing to sustained weakness in consumer demand in the country, still labouring under the shadow of Covid and facing an ongoing property sector slowdown. And in corporate news, the big highlight this week will be Apple's launch of a new iPhone. Apple is an interesting company which is affected by rising interest rates like other technology-focused growth stocks. But it also represents a defensive play in a world where many people would give up a great many things before abandoning their smartphone. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.